Well, hello, folks. Welcome to What Happens in Topeka, a podcast where we talk to you about what's happening in Topeka, Kansas, what's happening in Reading, UK, and all the places in between. And here with me is my good buddy, JB. Hey, hey. How's it going, JB? What's no. been going on? What has been going on? We've, we've had two weeks apart. And, I know. Uh, it seems like quite a long time, actually. Yeah, it has been uh, quite a long time. Of course, I think we set up for last weekend and we, we just we get busy. It just happens. Yeah. You just get busy doing some other things. And uh, so it was time to kind of reconvene. And um, actually, I figured what we would do is we would go back to talk about what I wanted to talk about a couple of weeks ago. I can get pulled off a topic pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah, well, we ended up talking about life, the universe, and everything last week, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. But I did miss out on hearing about uh, your trip after we were together in Las Vegas in April, and then right. uh, you went off on a little trip out into the desert, and I wanted to hear all about that. Yeah, so uh, I, I guess a mutual friend of ours contacted me a few months before the April trip and said, hey, um, you know, I heard you were looking to do maybe some camping, and uh I, I had thought of just going solo, but I thought, oh, it's better, you know, the more people you have. Um, so we made some plans, and we kind of talked it over, and I was excited for it. And we settled on um, going to Utah after the Vegas trip. So uh, we we had a lot of time to get all the gear together. I, I bought everything. I literally had nothing. <laughs> I, did, I, had, I didn't have a stove. I didn't, I'm going camping. Have you done I, the camping thing? I've got really? no camping gear. I, I did. I was a Boy Scout for a few years, okay. so I, I camped in that way. But, I mean, I'm, I'm quite a ways from that world as a Boy Scout when you're 12, 13, 14 years old. I've, well, yeah. I mean, I, there's one thing about camping that I've always thought, like... I th- I thought it was like a very British thing to do would be to when you're on holiday to do something on holiday that is less comfortable than your day to day life, right? Like that seems like 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 such a sort of thing. It's like a self some kind of self punishment. Uh, and, and and as I get older, I think I'm worse at that because I I get so like so set with my with my comforts. And so, I, although I, I love the idea of camping, the practicalities put me off. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand. Um, you've got those creature comforts, and and I certainly feel that because I I travel for work. Um, but I come home, and and I really don't want to go anywhere else. I I kind of want to just stay in my home. Um, but you really sometimes have to recognize that you have to separate yourself from all of those creature comforts and kind of go out and breathe the fresh air and, and have a little bit of freedom. Um, nice. It's cer- certainly not like only an American thing. Everybody does it. But I think Americans in general, um, they've camped. At least most of the people, again, I'm from Kansas. Camping is a thing. In a couple of weeks, yeah. there's this town will empty out as everybody goes out to the lakes for the weekend. I think it's one of the, it's one of the romantic things about american life as i see it from the other side of the pond is that because you have this huge breadth of countryside with all different styles and types that there's always an option and it's always a drive away it's maybe a very long drive away but it's still quite immediate you know like in europe everything is a journey you have to take you have to take a plane and it all has to be organized i love the idea that you know even in kansas you could just get in a car and just drive out west and just keep going there's something very romantic about that. Yeah, the ability to just pick up and go is um, 
something that everybody in America feels at some point in time, that, that incredible freedom to say to yourself, you know what, I just, I'm going to take the weekend off and I'm going to drive to a whole nother state and see a whole nother, you know, bunch of people. Yeah. mountains, lakes, or, or just to get out and, and, and go do that. And I'm certainly called to that because, again, I travel for work. I do like to stay home. But when I, I want to get out, it's really not that far for me to get out to something interesting like a lake or a, or a lake. Actually, Kansas doesn't have a lot to see. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a shitload of lakes. <laughs> we, we only have a couple now that I think about it. It's about an hour to one to the west, and uh, there's another smaller lake uh, just uh, south of the town. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I did like to camp. I don't get a camp much in Kansas because you're usually camping by a lake. That's usually the only thing yeah. to go see. So when I wanted to go camping, I thought, man, you know what I really want to see? I want to see Utah. And I want to see the slick rock. I want to see the the natural bridges or a canyon yeah. or something. So, so tell me know, a little bit about yeah. Utah overall before we get into the specifics of the parks because it's a weird. Is it not a weird like state, Utah? Isn't there some strange like history as to what's going on over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the uh, the Mormon. Uh, churches there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's up in Salt Lake City, and the you know the group kind of resides in that region, and then going north up to Pocatello, Idaho, right? And it's 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 pretty much maintained to just that uh, general area. But I really didn't feel like there was any sort of influence beyond Salt Lake City. We were more right, like on the okay. southern end of Utah. And um, I have been to Salt Lake City, and it, it's an interesting town. You can drink, you can get a beer there, or you can get you know whatever you want to drink at a bar, but you have to become a member of the bar's club. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you go into the bar, and you say, I'd like a beer or whatever, and they go, well, we, we don't serve to non-members. And you're, you're stuck for a second because you don't really ever get that. Yes. And yeah. uh, then he goes, don't worry, here's your application form. And you fill it out. And, you know, five minutes later, you've got your, you got your, your beer. Great. So I it's a, it. it's a little, it. it's a little weird. It's a little weird. That's um, cool. But like I said, that was really, that's more Northern Utah, I think. And maybe it's just the influence is heavier. Um, but for the most part, I think Utah is really known for, uh, amazing vistas. Uh, in the southern part of the state, you've got the Grand Canyon. Of course, you've got Zion National Park. That's something that it, it's you, you'll see pictures of it online, and it's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, then there's Grand Staircase Escalante. It, it's a bunch of uh, you know sort of caverns and washouts and slot canyons and caves and mountains, and it's a it's a really uh, brutal terrain. There there's cactuses and there's these wretched looking trees that are just so bone dry and somehow still alive uh on the mesa yeah and, so that so this yeah. so the mesa that which these are these giant slabs of rock that just seem to sort of shoot out of the ground right and stand alone almost in the desert yeah it's basically a mesa looks like something that stayed there and the rest of the landscape washed away right and that's kind of how i've always felt about it but it's uniquely southwestern i'm, I'm sure it it's got to They're occur huge somewhere glacial else. glacial valleys, yeah. I think, can't they, most of those yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they find uh, tons of dinosaur digs are all over Utah and western Colorado. So, yeah, it, you see petroglyphs, you see ancient 
history just all over Utah. That's it, pretty cool. Yeah. It's so awesome. how does that feel then? So take me through take me through the journey because we're having a wild time in Vegas, you know, doing the Vegas thing. Yeah. You're in a casino drinking cocktails. Yeah. Yeah. And all that kind of stuff, hanging out with yeah. Siegfried and Roy. And then the next minute, you're just you're just driving out into the desert. And you yeah. left us all because we all actually it was funny because we all went out partying. Right. And you guys were just like, sorry, we're out. Yep, yep. That must well, have been a weird couple of hours, right, for you guys. It, it wasn't actually all that weird because we, we, you know, we've done the party thing every year where yeah. we go out and, you know, it's a, we really see each other once or twice a year at best. So people generally try to make the most of that time and celebrate it. And that's awesome. Um, but Travis, uh, who is the guy who's joining us, he, he, he said, I want to get out, um, where nobody else is. Yeah, that's cool. And and he wanted to be literally off the radar. He didn't want the phone, the laptop. He wanted none of it. Nice. And uh, I thought, okay, I, I can do that. Yeah, but it, I it, was but jealous it, of you guys. It was the requirement of time that told us that we really had to leave Thursday night. And if yeah. we hadn't left that night, we'd have been in real trouble because... Uh, you know the U.S. interstate highway system, right? It's I-70, I-35, big four-lane highways, 70-mile-an-hour speed yeah. limits, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, that doesn't really exist in southern Utah. Okay. So to, to actually get to Zion is really it's only two and a half hours away from Vegas. And if you are ever in Vegas, I urge everybody to take that time and go see Zion. Now, that is a bit of a drive for round trip, but there's hotels there. There's, you know, the little town um, yeah, at the mouth of it. I didn't realize it was so close to me. Yeah, it's very, very close. I, I was pretty staggered. But then I was also pretty staggered by how limited the camping actually is in Zion. Um, there's only so many campsites and, and they're sold out almost immediately for the year. Right. Okay. So you pitched up, did you have something booked or did you just roll up? No, well, I just, I didn't prepare very well, if I'm honest. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't think it would be a problem really, because in America, there's a lot of different, um, rules in, in campsites. You know, there's private campsites. Um, there's a, there's a an agency called the Bureau of Land Management. And yeah. then there's there's national parks, there's national forests, which there is a difference between a national park and a national forest. Yeah. Um, okay. There's just generalized public lands that may not have anything beautiful vista scenery-wise the way that Zion does. Zion kind of showcases all of the best geology of Utah in this one little place. Right, that's cool. And so because it's easy to get to and you know, it's, it's right there, you don't have to go very far to see something really amazing. Um, so, yeah, the campsites fill up pretty quick. The hotels fill up pretty quick. And you can take only a bus into Zion. So okay. if, you don't, if you don't have a campsite, then you have to park your car outside and then you take this bus into Zion. And then you cannot camp in Zion beyond the campsites. Oh, okay, right, yeah. yes. So it's limited, Yeah, we have right? a couple of national parks like that. Like, yeah. like there's one park uh, in Devon called Dartmoor, which uh, you can camp anywhere, but it's pretty wild. So mm. you have to, you'd hike up and you can just camp anywhere and it's fine. And then there's another park called Exmoor, which is a little bit less wild, but has beautiful views of the sea. 
and I remember going once and, and me and my friends we, we went down there we had no plans like you guys we hadn't really checked out what was going on the campsite that we rolled up to was full and we thought well screw it we'll just go and camp anywhere right we'll find ourselves yeah. a perfect spot and we'll sit down and we'll camp and we found this spot we put the tents down you could just pull down you could open up the flap of the tent and just see like a beautiful v-shaped valley in the sea off in the distance oh nice fantastic and of course the the ranger dude appears ah. it's like lads i hate to tell you you can't camp it uh, <laughs> oh come on yeah i was so worried about that i was so worried about that exact thing yeah um that i had spent time researching campsites and zion was on the list but by the time i realized that how quickly the campsites were would go they were gone right yeah so so i i i, I had started looking oh back in early march and by the time I realized what was going on, the campsites were already sold out. There's that many oh, people okay, wanting to okay. go. Yeah. And I mean, there's people that take weeks off, weeks yeah. of time and, and go stay in Zion. Um, so we had to look a little bit, you know, uh, somewhere else. And there were, we had a couple of things that we had to deal with. One was time. We had to get everybody back home um, for other things, you know, I've got stuff to do. He has stuff to do. Yeah. So we had, we had a time crunch, which is partially where we left on Thursday and we had to drive dirt roads to get to the town where you could buy your, um, camping, uh, ticket or whatever. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So there's no highway system. So we literally are driving, th we, you have to pay the Zion park fee to get in. Right. Yeah. So you, you drive in through Zion a little bit and then you go through this crazy tunnel. So you pay 30 bucks to get into Zion. So it's 30 US dollars to get in. And then you pay another 20 bucks to go in this next part of the park. So you just buy like a year certificate for 80 bucks and you can go to any national park. Basically, you've paid for that time. You could spend yeah. the rest okay. of your summer That's in the cool. national park system. Yeah. So they make it a good deal. So I've got that card. I can't wait to go to another national park. But in the meantime, we're driving, driving, driving. And to get to the uh, town where the trailhead starts, uh, we had to take this dirt road that had nobody on it. We, we were the only people in any direction for, for miles. And it took us, because we got a pretty early start out of Zion. We left Zion around... 6 a.m. I think and we didn't actually get to the town until about 10 11 okay because That's a it, lot of nothing yeah a lot of well you're, you're you're in the mountains you're in the valleys there's desert but there's no towns like if you right. were to get a yeah. flat tire out there you're out there there's no cell signal <laughs> this is one of the things that I love about America and it's so alien to every, everything in Europe is packed in Everything yeah, it's right there. It's right so there. It's so tight. And it's very hard to to actually to get out in the middle of nowhere. And even if you go like up into the wilds of Scotland or whatever, into the Highlands, just like we, we I think we mentioned this in the last pod, like everything here is so heavily monetized that if it looks beautiful, somebody will be there to take some money off you for it. You know? <laughs> and, and and that means that just stuff grows up around these even in these remote places right and it's really hard to get away from everything until so, you go way up north like norway or places like that. so is there like a mcdonald's near stonehenge and that oh kind yeah of thing? yeah exactly it'll oh be, my god it'll be exactly that kind oh, of crap wow. yeah <laughs> yeah there there isn't uh there isn't any of that going on out here and keep in mind we're not 
we're we're hours to get to where we wanted to yeah. go, and um, the road was that washboard road. What uh, is I that? don't know if you. It's a well, you know what a washboard is. It's yeah, an old yeah, yeah. It's style. like little it's ridges the, all the time. Yeah, ridges on the on the steel, and you take your clothes and you put soap in them, and then you kind of yes. scrub it on this thing. Well, imagine a road that surfaced like. Uh, oh my you're one of those yeah yeah so you ha- here if you go slowly because it's kind of frightening when you get on it because your shocks and tires and everything's shaking and banging and it's yeah. it's it's disconcerting and it's jarring because it's so violent but then you realize you have to go faster because what you're what you're allowed and that's the right that you're laughing it's because if you go faster your tires and wheels and suspension don't have to sink into that little divot they just yeah, ride right. across the top but it's also a sand road it's a dirt road so there's an element of oh you could take that corner too fast and be right off into the ditch yes so there's. So you're trying to find this perfect, this optimum yeah. speed. Oh yeah. So so about uh, an hour and a half into it, and we haven't seen another car for an hour and fifteen minutes. Like we saw a car passed as soon as we turned on the road, and getting down the road a piece, the car is shaking so badly that I get a warning um, that I have a flat tire. And I thought, oh man, this is not good. We are, we're, I've got one spare. So if there's any yeah. more than one, you know, tire flat, I'm in trouble. So we pull over and, and we check all the tires. We've got a, a gauge. Tires are fine. I thought, you know what? I bet it's the banging on the road surface that's yes. causing the sensor to misread the pressure in the tire. Like yep. that's how yep. much yep. damage sure. we were doing to this thing. Crikey. It was insane. And, but it's still just a dirt road, right? Or so I thought. Because remember, we're not even to the town. Yeah. We're we're still on the drive. And there's no one else on this road with you. No, nobody. Well, actually, I take it back. I take it back. There was one other car that was kind of behind us a ways. Um, and it was a white Prius. For all the cars that you could see on this kind of a road, you're thinking, <laughs> yes. oh, it's going to be a Jeep or it's going to yeah, be a, yeah, yeah. a Tacoma some or something like that. some tourist who's renting a little Prius. Yeah, somebody's got a Prius and they're driving and they, uh, they're they not, It's a it's, the tag says Nevada, it's a rental car. So yeah. somebody's driven a rental car up this Great. thing to go see this. I don't know what they're going to go see. But eventually, <laughs> the road is still pretty much like this for another hour, hour and a half and we finally start seeing other tr- cars and trucks on the road. And what we've done is we've cut through a whole part of the national park system, and now we're at the other entrance. So people are coming into the parks, and they're pulling off on campsites. Oh, okay. Right. right. So now I drive a, a Volkswagen uh, GTI. So I guess you guys call it a yeah. Golf over there, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not really known as an all-terrain vehicle, in any sense of the word. Like, it can handle the ridges. It can handle a dirt road. It must road. have done some miles, that little GTI. If you've taken it all the way from Topeka to Vegas already. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a got 3, some 000, miles under the belt. Yeah, I do this loop every year um, because my mom lives in New Mexico and my brother lives in New Mexico. And I've got a friend who lives part-time in Colorado. So gotcha. I'll usually drive out, see one of them, and then do my time in Vegas and then drive back and see the other person. Um, but it is a 3,000 mile loop. Like, make yeah. no mistake about it. Yeah, it's, it. I put three grand on that car every time I drive out. But once <laughs> you see it, you understand why. 
once you see once you see what you're driving through you're like i get it now i get it because you're never really bored by it and if you have satellite radio you're there's no reason why not to do it (laughs) yeah yeah cool so anyway we're back to the the gti is not a uh, all-terrain vehicle it's front wheel drive it's a bit more of a racer you know it's a bit more of a speedy car yeah and I start seeing Jeeps and Toyota Tacomas, and I start seeing cars with roll cages and, and winches and like pr- like proper off-road equipment going yeah. into the park. And I'm the guy leaving the park in my GTI, and uh, we come to a washout, which is a, oh, okay. a low point in the road where a river during the spring melt is allowed to cross. Yes. So Ford, we'd call it. Over. Yeah, we're f- we're yeah. going to ford the river in the GTI. Nice. <laughs> so so we ended up doing it. Thankfully, it was a few inches only, Good. and we got across. But it, the it's person, one of those ones where you just got to stop the car and look at it for a few seconds before, like, is that all right? Oh, yeah. Is, is yeah. this okay? Well, there was another truck on the other side, and we let them go first because Good, there's there, there's a couple of different things that could happen. You know, like one, the water could be really really deep. And you don't know how deep it is unless you go out and take a look at it. And yeah. two, you really don't know what's under the water. It could be just like part of the road. It could be concrete. Or yeah. there could be concrete that's washed out and there's like a, a, a thing your tire's going to get stuck in. Yes, like this, exactly. Yeah. Th- there's so much going on in this one thing. <laughs> and it could end your day, right? It could yeah. really make things horrible. So we let the truck go by and we're like, okay, it's not that, um, you know, it's not that deep. There doesn't seem to be any ruts because the, we're watching the tires and the suspension and everything. And uh, we thought, okay, well, we'll just follow their line because we saw them come our way with it. But we'll just stay in that track and we should be safe. And so we go down. And now here's the other thing. If it's not sh- just shallow or deep or uh, concrete or washed out concrete, the other thing that could be is waterlogged sand, which oh, is quicksand. Right. So that's immediate tire going in, sinking, slicing around. Yes. You, you kind of that's the first thing that happened to my left front tire, is we came off of the concrete a little bit and went right into this like quicksand, and you could feel it because suddenly all the traction goes away and my wheel oh, starts shit. to go, and I I gun it and we and, and the other side is is not a, a shallow angle. It's a pretty steep angle and it's not a wide road. Because you're really only able to cross one vehicle at a time. Yeah. So I turn right to get onto the road and I gun it and I'm like, well, I hope there's nobody at the other side of this hill. Because <laughs> I'm about to Dukes a hazard this Volkswagen. <laughs> Those Duke boys are at again. <laughs> Travis like, go for it. So we got up and fortunately, lucky, we, there was nobody there because there really isn't much room for either side to make an adjustment at speed. Right. Sure. You just kind of. Kind of hope that uh, you're you're doing everything correctly, but that was the first indication that my vehicle of choice may have been inappropriate. <laughs> but you managed it. You got over. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I carried on. So in in and so to give a little history to this, I've camped um, in other places. Like if you drive through northern New Mexico, you can just pull off the highway. They've got these uh, parking lots. And you just get your backpack on and off down the trail you go. But your car isn't ever too far off the highway. Okay. Right? 
Uh, and that's what I'm used to, whether you're camping in Kansas or you're camping in Colorado um, or uh, in northern New Mexico, certainly. There's a lot of spots where you can just easily pull any car that you want, Mini Cooper, doesn't matter. If you drive a Ferrari, you're not ever leaving yeah. the blacktop. You're yeah, getting into fun. a parking space and off you go. This uh, was not that. <laughs> like every, every inch of this trip from the moment we left Zion to the moment we transitioned to Colorado was absolute nightmarish for my car. It was not it was and, and not Travis, good. Travis is a kind of country guy. So yes, is yes. he mocking you for this car choice and thinking we should be in one of my trucks? No, not really. He he he's very cool about everything. He didn't, you know, he might have felt it internally like this is going to be a problem. Um just adding to the drama of the journey, though. It's yeah, it's it's the drama of the journey. Well, I didn't. I wasn't so worried about what he thought as what my ability to navigate this was going to be. Right. Yeah. Right. Am I going to put us in a situation where there's going to be a problem? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so I give extra thought to every single thing that I'm doing, and um, I think it. Uh, you know, like I said, it took us f- about four hours to get to the the town. Wow. And we got there in one piece. Um, we we found kind of the outside of every national park. There's like a, a building, a welcome center, yeah. and there you can get accurate maps that show all of the uh, elevation changes, all the terrain changes, and uh, most importantly, you can buy your uh, ticket. And they and when you buy the ticket, they want your name, they want your car, license plate, they want all this information because apparently, you know, sometimes these rangers go out and look at these campsites and they're looking for people who haven't turned up. Right. Gotcha. So okay. it's just a way to it's a way to track things. So you buy the ticket, you buy your your map, and then you buy a wag bag. A wag bag? A wag bag. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> what what's in a wag bag? Because right. a, a wag over here, just yeah. for reference, okay. A, a wag is a wife and or girlfriend of a professional footballer. Oh, oh. <laughs> so okay. you know you have like Wayne Rooney and his his, yeah. his wag. She goes ah, wives okay. and girlfriends. That's where that came from. So so there you go. Just a little uh, <laughs> a little this? Britishism for you. This is not that. It's not that at all. It's uh, it's a it's an aluminum bag, uh, or a foil type bag with a Ziploc uh, closure. Yeah. And inside is a plastic lining, and there's some chemical um, at the bottom. So when you go camping, there's a couple of different things that you can do to mitigate the amount of impact that you have when you're camping. And one of them is to dig what's known as a cat hole. And they sell these little shovels, these little spades, and you can dig this little tiny hole. And then you do your business in the hole, and you put the dirt right back in the ground, and you cover it up. Gotcha. Do you have to do it like a cat, sort of pouring the earth back into the hole? I I mean, that's purely elective. You can choose to do that if you want to. (laughs) I I definitely go for that option. I I don't. Um, (laughs) But... The thing about Utah is you don't have to dig too far, and you are into the stone. Right. So you you can't actually dig a cat hole. So a wag bag is a portable uh, john. What that that you have to you have to manipulate yourself 
or your leavings into this bag. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just coming to terms with this. So, so they hand you a bag. You buy and they're it. Like, they you here you go, guys. It. Yeah, you're going to be shitting into this bag for the next few days. Actually, you, or is it you, single use? It's single use. If because right. you, you, the last thing you want to do is shit into the bag multiple times. <laughs> but what do you because, want to do if you need to go more than once? Because imagine this. Now you guys have Ziploc plastic bags over there, right? Yes. You get like yeah. a quart yeah. size and liter size or whatever. Yeah. It's about like that. Oh so my you have God. you have two options. The first option is you squat and hope you get you it in put, the bag. First and yeah, time. you poop and you a hope you get it into the bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got to you got to get a nothing but net on this thing, right? <laughs> and it's not easy because it's a foil plastic bag. So when you open it, it kind of wants to go back to what it was shaped like before, which was closed. Yes. So in your hands, you're trying to like get this to stay open. <laughs> and you know, you're trying to like stretch out the edges a little bit just to kind of give yourself a big enough target. You know that... how I was how I was talking about creature comforts earlier. Yeah. This is one of <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow. I never thought this was gonna be this was gonna be a thing, but there you go. The wag yeah. bag. Wag bag, yeah. So which option so... did you did you go for the for the like manipulating the bag and, and the clean drop? The nothing right. net solution, or did you go yeah. for the uh, sort of like doggy style <laughs> scooping it up? Option? Well, no, I went for the nothing but net. Okay, because one, I'm I'm finding out I'm kind of a gambler. <laughs> <laughs> You're just willing to risk it all. Yeah, and for that two, beautiful clean drop. And two, um, I didn't have anything to pick up the doo doo with my own hands. Yes, that is so an issue, isn't it? And and now, if I'm in a if I'm in a forest where there's oak trees and maple trees and and yeah. sycamore trees with giant leaves, well, then I've got plenty of material to pick up my my yes. crap and put it in the bag. But out here, it's cactuses, it's wretched trees, <laughs> it's stone and sand, and that's it. That's that's it. Oh boy. So I went for the clean drop because I thought, well, I've got too many factors working against me if I don't. <laughs> yes. And I thought, okay, I can just, I'll just kind of like granny shoot this in here and see what happens. And <laughs> Oh, man, that must have been wild times. Was this the first time you'd ever used a wag bag? Was this your first experience with a wag bag? Yeah, 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 wow. totally my first experience. And I think it was Travis's as well, <laughs> because he comes from the same sort of Midwest, you know, you can go out and dig a hole yeah. and, and do your thing. This was entirely different. But Jesus. What, I've, what I've noticed about, you know, when you go camping, and this goes back to when I was a kid in camping, you get out to uh, wherever and you eat and you know drink and, and run around, you actually don't have to go to the bathroom all that much because your body's consuming everything. Right, yes. So, right. yeah, so, it, it, you know, I, we didn't have to actually use our wag bags until we were well out of the, camp, out of the campsite. Okay. So we didn't, we didn't have to do any business until we were done with the hike. So that was <laughs> well. That is, yeah. That's wild times. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It's excellent. <laughs> I hadn't realized. And so, once you get your business into the bag, yeah. Then you, you throw just it seal away. the bag and you throw it away. Is that it? Yeah. You seal. You seal it and you throw it away. And any so you got like a handful bin, you know. of these. Just no, no. Again, like I said, I'm a gambler. We only bought one each. <laughs> 
because we were re- we were really only going to be there. I, I love I, I, I love the thought process when you're in the store. You guys like, well, we need this, but I don't know how much we need it. Ah, let's just get one a piece, <laughs> one and done, one yeah. and done. Well, we knew we were only going to be staying over one night, maybe two. I and, love it. And, and I think that because uh, we were already pretty heavy going in. Yeah, uh, as far as the pack weight goes, so we we it, at that time of the year in Utah, it's still cold. Like at night, it gets to the twenties, right? Okay. Um, which is is it's really bone chillingly cold. Yes. So we we brought extra clothes, and because during the daytime it could get you know very warm, um, to the point where you don't need yeah you'd wish you were naked it's so warm yeah yeah Uh, so we have to have lots of layers to deal with the cold and you got to pack it in and pack it out and add to that i take camera gear wherever i go yeah so i'm lugging 10 pounds of camera gear then you've got the food and the stove and the fuel you've got uh it's the desert so you have to take water yep so yeah. that's a. I had a uh, like a three liter bottle of water. Then you got to have something to because we had to find pure water sources to be able to filter to drink stuff. Oh wow! So it really is. You are like really oh, remote yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. No, in, in the first time I thought of doing this just by myself, I thought, you know what? I'll just go car camping. We'll just pull off the side of the yeah. road, throw up a tent, and hang out. And and I'm really glad that Travis wanted to go that far with it um, because yeah, the experience cool. that we had was uh it was amazing it makes yeah, so me tell me a bit about that then. when you were part. out there and you got yeah. you got through the sort of uh the base requirements <laughs> yeah which took a long time <laughs> so we get through the base requirements and we get to the park and it's another nine miles of washboard road right to get to where we're going and it's a place in um the the escalante called the golden cathedral and it's in a slot canyon and a slot canyon is kind of like a giant knife has come down and just kind of sliced open the earth. Right. And then water and wind and, you know, millions of years kind of like sands the surfaces all down to be smooth. Cool. And so you see all the strata of the rocks and it's very smooth to the touch, but it's also igneous rock. It's volcanic rock. So there's, you know, just weird formations and it's, it's very inhospitable terrain. Sure, and yeah. so we were going out to the Slot Canyon, where the Golden Cathedral was, because it was the most accessible by car. And had I known kind of the terrain to get there, I would have gone somewhere else, because it was quite difficult Yeah. once we left the main road to get to the trailhead road. Um, so the trailhead road leads off of the main road that takes you all the way down to Coyote Gulch, which is the very south of the state. And it's another road, but it's even worse than the one we were just on because it's 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 rutted deeply because everybody there has big four wheel drives and in the wet season they create these huge tire ruts and everything. Right, and gotcha. and you've got these you've got these peaked uh, crests of a hill, and I probably ma- managed to bottom out my car four or five times. Oh boy, it, it was it was highly technical terrain to be yes. sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Travis and I really had to work just to get there. And once we got to a road sign that told us where we were, we, we, we finally just parked the car because we'd had enough. It was just wearing us out to manage this road I bet. Yeah. and the going over it. So we, we parked and we got all our stuff together. And at that moment, in my mind, I was questioning 
everything. I'm like, <laughs> have I thought this through? What are yeah. we doing? I don't even know what this terrain's like. I, I, I honestly, I did not prepare well enough. And I'm not sure that you could prepare well enough. Because when you're looking at it on Google Maps, and I had a GPS, and of course I had my phone, I had lots of different ways to read the terrain, but I was not even remotely prepared for the kind of conditions that I was about to face. Yes, okay, yeah. And Travis is a marathon runner, so he's in much better shape than I am. And so I knew it was going to be a struggle for me, but I wasn't sure how much yeah. of a struggle. So the first thing we had to do was hike to the trailhead. And that was a mile. Right. So it takes us a mile, and it's pretty... Once we get on that road to hike that mile, we realize that we could have driven the car down there because once we got to the actual campsite where everybody else was parked, somebody had a, a Ford Taurus. Oh, okay, right, yeah. I'm like, so well, you if you can make it, I, I could have driven straight there. But I didn't want to take the chance anymore. Yeah. And so we got to the trailhead, and we're looking out across a broad valley. Um, and when I say broad, I say the other side is miles away. Right. You okay, know, it's yeah. got that it's got that blue haze. The you can actually see the oxygen in between you and the other <laughs> the other side, and it's it's straight up desert. Right. And, and the other thing is it's windy. It's okay. 50, 60 mile an hour winds. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Okay. And and so we had to cross three miles of open desert in 50 to 60 mile an hour winds and the sun is shining. So as you're standing there out, out of the wind, you're actually broiling under this sun Yeah, because there's, there, there's no pollution in the sky. The sun's just hitting you right on the back of the neck and your shoulders and you can just feel it like a blow dryer. Awesome. But the, that's then this crazy. wind picks up. It is crazy. The, the wind picks up and it's blowing out of the north. And there was a snowstorm happening in Salt Lake City at the time. So the wind that we're getting is a wind chill of maybe 40 degrees maximum. Uh -huh. And so when the wind's blowing, it's 40 degrees. When the wind stops, it's 80 degrees. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and fortunately, the wind kept blowing. It was relentless across this desert yeah. landscape. And we get to the trailhead and we see somebody walking up and, and say, hey, we're looking for this gulch. We're looking for the, you know, the Golden Cathedral. And he goes, oh, yeah, it's just straight out that way. You see that mesa? You just go follow that. There's two ways to go. You can go the direct way, which is what we did, or you can take the trailhead um, trail, which leads you in a more circuitous route. But I believe it was better marked. Right. Okay. And we'd, we'd wasted enough time that we had to get going. Like we were fighting sundown at this point because sure, we okay. st we started off probably five o'clock, six o'clock maybe at the trailhead. So we knew we had two or three hours until the sun actually hit the crest. But the other thing is we were descending into a valley. So the yes. shadows are going to be chasing us all across this thing. So we start down and it is steep. What uh, Travis has on his watch is a little GPS to tell you the elevation and the elevation was a 450-foot drop of elevation. Wow. Okay. Over about a half a mile. Oh, boy. Yeah. So it was very, very steep. You're thinking, I'm going to have to come back up this in an hour or so. <laughs> I, I kept thinking, I'm going to fall and break everything. And 
I am going to perish out here because yeah. there's no way Travis is hauling me up the rock. Wow. Crikey. And and, and it, I realized then, wow, this is a really, really... You're you're when you're in these national parks. The beautiful thing is you're you're out in the open and it's it's you're free to do whatever. You can run around. You could run naked. You could just do whatever. The other thing is that there's an enormous amount of responsibility for your own safety. Yeah, totally. And and it cannot be overstated enough because um, you really only get one chance to do this. So we were very gingerly making our way down this rock uh, surface, which there's no dirt level path. You're you're kind of going over this slick rock these massive boulders and you know if you and there's sand everywhere and it's fine like dust so you get a, you get a little too much of it your boot could slip you go down you scuff yourself up on the rocks it's yeah ev- every footstep was calculated and measured well that takes and, it out of you as well oh it totally takes it and that's just to yeah. get to the valley to start the walk <laughs> <laughs> so so Travis and I, we were feeling pretty good about it. And we we're like, yeah, we made it to the bottom. And we did a little selfie thing next to the trailhead. And uh, we knew it was a trailhead because that the sign said this is where the trailhead was. Yeah. But I'm willing to bet for most of the trails you've happened upon, and I, certainly the ones that I'm used to, is that, oh, there's the path. There's a dirt furrow. And you follow that. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. this... This was not that. Again, there was no dirt <clears throat> anywhere, so there is no dirt path. It is literally open desert. And if it wasn't for the compasses on our GPS, um, we only would have had landscape points oh, of reference wow. to go off of, right? So we knew we had to go east. We knew what our target was, and we knew how much the sun was racing against us. So we just started off into the open desert. Keep in mind, there's a, there's no tree over four foot tall in this whole valley area. So there's no place to hide from the wind and the abject cold. You just got to keep walking. Crikey. And there's no trail. So yeah. we we know we're heading east, but we don't know what we're heading east into. Like We know there's a canyon up in front of us a ways. And we know that there might be a canyon because we can kind of see it coming down on the left side. But we, were, we weren't sure over the next ridge what we were going to encounter. Now, we looked at the, the high-resolution maps back at the ranger station, and it didn't look like there was anything to be too concerned about. Like, once you were in the valley, it was pretty actual level terrain for the most part. Not too many hills or valleys or anything. Yeah. It was pretty straightforward. But the, the, uh, the canyons are very specific on the entry. You can't just go down into a canyon unless you've got a repelling gear you've got to have an inroads there has to be an established trail to get there so with no actual trail to follow from the trailhead we weren't sure if we were going to end up on the trail to the interior of the canyon yeah so travis finally made an observation about these little piles of rocks called a cairn yes and and hikers will put these cairns up to say hey follow this this yeah, is the direction okay. so we did follow the cairns for a while until we came to our first slot canyon we thought ah this is it this is the entry to the canyon so we got into the slot canyon it's the first actual shade and and safety that we've had since we started the journey and we're about an hour and a half into it now it's and it's just been to get dark as well i guess it's yeah we can tell we've maybe got another hour hour and a half yeah. of sunlight and um we start going down the the slot canyon and we get to a point where the canyon itself, the, the floor of it drops away immediately, like uh, 20 meters maybe. 
And so there's no way to get into it from that point unless you have repelling gear and you can rope yourself down, which we don't have. Right. And so we came to that canyon and we thought, oh, man, we have to turn around and go back. Yeah. And then retask and find our position again. And um, what we saw was off to the right, there looks like a, a place where people had traversed this canyon wall. Oh, yeah. you know this this kind of, like you could see where people had walked before Jeez. other other idiots before us yeah. came here and said yeah, we can try this thing so we did. Oh, um, God. Travis went. Travis went first. I went second. No ropes. No ropes. Um, I had uh, like trekking poles, right. so I had a little bit more stability. Travis didn't have any of that, but he could get low on on all fours, which is what I think you're better off doing okay. in that case because you're spreading out your surface contact onto this rock. Yeah. So we're kind of like crawling, oh my God. you know, hands and feet on what is, there's no purchase, right? There's no handholds. It's just this slick bouldery sort of rock yeah. that leads to a 10 to 20 meter drop where there might be sand <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah so your your survival instincts are in full effect Crikey. um uh, but you disregard some of them because you're like i gotta go because if i leave this canyon the safer way and find another way around i'm gonna get caught back out in the open valley top where it's still 60 mile an hour winds and 40 degrees and we'll get nothing but colder as the sun goes down. Yeah. So we were in a position where we had to push forward and we thought, okay, well, let's just at least plan this out as best we can and get across it. So we did. We got across it. I could tell you, though, it was harrowing. (laughs) It sounds it. It sounds it, it was, now. It, it was harrowing. We got out of it and we were like, yeah, we were so proud of ourselves that we had managed to avoid being stupidly dead. Oh my um, God. That there was a mini celebration. Then we realized, well, we still are no closer to the actual um, entrance to the canyon. Yeah. So we had to get back out in the valley. Anyway, fortunately, we were, we were down a ways because the slot canyon. Uh, carved east for a bit. So we did you have we, did you have your we hadn't backtracked at all. You at this point. Oh yeah, you got. I had a um, I had a uh, I camp with a hammock, right, uh, okay. and an underquilt. So I had my hammock, my sleeping bag, all my stuff. Camp. Uh, Travis had his uh, tent, but, sleeping bag, mat, all still, that stuff. As well as getting to to where you wanted to go, you still had to plan and camp before it got really dark. Exactly, yeah. and and keep in mind, we didn't set up any of this tent beforehand. Right, so you're doing it for brand, the first time in the dark. First time, yeah. So this is basically all of the mistakes you could possibly make <laughs> for our first camp out. This is this is the voice of the now experienced guy who knows <laughs> yeah. exactly what you should be doing when you go camping. Um, oh, so we go out, and we now there are no cairns because we've come out. We left the trail. And we've come out in a place where the trail doesn't exist. It's just more open desert. So we have to go yeah. back to the south and see if we can find these cairns. And there are none. And finally, a couple other hikers show up. Now, this is the funny part. Travis and I are both carrying packs that would be considered expedition weight. Right. Like I think mine is 65 liters. <sighs> I know his was more on the order of 45 liters. And we were packing everything. Yeah. So... 
we were pretty amazed when these two fellas came running around carrying essentially like a Jansport school backpack over their shoulders. <laughs> I'm like, what do you, you don't have, you don't have a, I don't see a, a I, don't, I don't see hiking poles. I, you're wearing a New Balance tennis shoes. Like here, Travis and I are like, we're going to hike up Kilimanjaro. And these two <laughs> yeah. knuckleheads, they look like they just got done playing Frisbee golf. <laughs> nice. So. They wave at us and they go, oh, yeah, you want to go over here and uh, you'll slot into the canyon there at this uh, place down the road. So Travis and I thanked them and we headed off to the canyon. We get to the edge and it's now dirt, which was that was thankful. So we started seeing grass and dirt come up yeah. and we thought, OK, we're here. But what we didn't again, we didn't study. So uh, or I didn't study rather. The dirt trail is another switchback. That's it's even steeper than the first bit, right? Right. So we we did that four hundred and fifty foot descent to the valley floor. We've now crossed three miles of open desert, and now we're about to drop another four hundred and fifty feet down. Oh boy, it's going to get really cold. It's going to. Well, it's already starting to get cold, and the shadows were starting to get pretty long at this point. We still had sun in the canyon, but at this point, when I'm looking at a second drop off, my head's going. You're going to have to go back up this tomorrow. Yeah. This is all happening tomorrow. This is the easy part. Going down is the easy yeah. part. Going up yeah. is going to be impossible. So, you know, I suck it up because Travis is, this is, you know, he's all gung-ho about it. So I'm kind of latching onto his spirit and into yes. the canyon we go. And we get to the bottom and there's this grove of cottonwood trees uh, or aspen trees maybe uh, that kind of follow this little river that goes down through this canyon. So we now have to do a river crossing. And <laughs> so we see a couple of other people who are hiking in the area. There's a thing that I didn't know about called neoprene uh, socks. Okay. So if you have to cross a river, you put on neoprene socks. That way your feet don't get wet. Right. Okay. Is if your feet get wet, there's sand in your shoe because it's dusty. It's really fine sand, so it's in your shoe. And then you put yeah. water in there, so it turns to gritty mud. It's in your shoe. So that's when you really stand a high chance of getting blisters. Gotcha. Okay. Because you got wet feet and the yes. skin's getting soaked up with this wet feet. And keep in mind, I'm making it sound horrible, but we're having the best time. Yeah, I'm sure we're just, you are. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're just, we're loving everything yeah. we're seeing. So. It's it's really not that bad. We we go into the river, shoes and socks on. <laughs> because why not? We're we're batting a thousand for poor decisions at this point. Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. So we're in we're in the canyon with wet feet and we just stop like the energy is just gone. You know, we fought the wind, we fought the cold, yeah. we had that that weird slot canyon experience where we had to risk our necks to get out. We you know, it's just been effort to reach this point so we weren't really sure how much further we were going to go to find the golden cathedral because we really didn't know how much distance there was sure we'd run across another couple of campers who said that there was another river crossing that you had to do and that was chest high water oh my goodness so we thought okay well maybe we're not going to get to the golden cathedral we're already in this canyon we should just find a high spot and set up camp yeah and so we found this little opening um, with kind of sandy dirt, um, sort of a, a, a natural rise, and the river went around it. Cool. And so we got up there, and we got the tents going. There's no more sun in the canyon. You can feel how cold it's getting. So we've got to set up these tents and, uh, and cook ourselves some dinner. 
And uh, so we figured out the tents. It took a little bit longer than we thought it was going to. Uh, I got my hammock set up, and Travis started uh, cooking uh, the, the meals. Nice. So I, I'd gone to a store, and I'd purchased some campout meals. Okay. Now, again, when I was a Boy Scout and we did camping, we would do things like hobo stew. Yeah. Because because you're car camping. That's just some hamburger, some carrots, some beef, um, or uh, some potatoes, uh, maybe some corn, and you wrap it up in a foil and just throw it in a fire. Yeah, sure. Uh, you can't have a fire in the canyons. Because oh, okay. if, if it were to get out of control, there's nowhere for you to go. Gotcha. Okay. Right? And and um, it could just, you, you could put other people in danger as well. So you, you have to be very careful even with your stove. So we found this dirt sort of, you know, area. And we dug a little hole and put the stove down in there. And all we did was boil water because that's what you put in the food. The food is basically dehydrated meals. Gotcha. So we boiled up the water and we poured it in there. And I had beef stroganoff. I think he had, um, I forget what he had, but it was, we hadn't eaten since Zion. Yeah. So every calorie in our body that was available is absolutely gone. And the body's starting to consume itself. So yeah. this food was ambrosia to <laughs> us. Yeah. We, we just, oh, we, we're so happy to have this hot food because it's very, very cold in the canyon um, with no sun. So we've got all our jackets and gloves and yeah. hats and everything. So we eat our food, and we're both really tired, but we notice the stars. And that's when we kind of took our time out and just, we got a, we found these little rocks. You remember the, the cabana sex wedge? I do remember the cabana yeah. sex wedge. So, yeah. so th- there were these rocks that were shaped <laughs> roughly like the cabana sex wedge. Perfect. They're sort of triangular shape that you Nature's could just lean up wedge. against. Nature's sex wedge. So yeah. we found ourselves uh, a sex wedge to lean up against so that we could watch the stars come out. Oh, and yeah. uh, the other thing that I planned on for this weekend um, was to get some astrophotography done because it was a dark uh, yes. sky night yeah. it, there was a it was a brand new moon so there was no moon it was completely black so you were going to get a heck of a show with all the stars in the sky and there were so many i i've, yeah. I've been to parts of canada where i was like wow look at all these stars this was a hundred times that incredible you're just looking up and so many stars. You spot the constellations early because that's what you do when you're a kid. Somebody yeah. goes, well, that's the that's Polaris, that's the North Star, and that's the Big Dipper, and there's the Little Dipper, and maybe you know where Orion is or a few others. But you, And you do see those because you pick them out early on. But what happens is over time, you they get all filled in with other stars Yeah. to where the shape of what you're looking at becomes a bit more obscured. <laughs> The, the, the North Star kind of blends in with everything else. And you get a real sense of the, the the number of stars that are in the night sky. And we couldn't stop staring. That's awesome. It was unbelievable. And something else about the night sky is um, you can see a plane because obviously it has the blinking lights. Yeah. But you can also see satellites. Yeah, slowly tracing across the sky. Yeah, because yeah. they don't blink. Yes, that's right. And I didn't really think of this until Travis mentioned it because the, he points and he goes, that's a satellite. I go, how do you know? And he told me, I thought, wow, I don't. I guess I've never seen a satellite before. 
Yeah, and about cool. two minutes later, it is. He goes, look, there's another one. That's and awesome. I go, wow, that, I've never even seen this, and now I've seen it twice. He goes, yeah, that's as many as I've ever seen <laughs> ever before. Yeah. And because we couldn't stop staring, we were probably 9 to 19 on the number of satellites we saw oh, before man. we were just too tired to move on. That's cool. That's And really cool. Uh, we crawled into our beds, and... We got to sleep. Um, well, I don't know any time I have, but man, we were so happy to get to bed. We we're so dude, tired. That's awesome. I'm loving that story. That's uh, that sounds like quite a trip. I yeah, mean, that's just getting in. Well, exactly. <laughs> but I'm gonna say because we're we're already at the end of the pod. I'm gonna have to stop you. We're gonna have to start again. We're gonna have to go that's through fair. the next day because I was just loving listening to that. It sounds fantastic, and it's so. Yeah. It sounds like one of those things you can only do in somewhere like that you know like there's not many landscapes that get you to see all those different things and even still where you've only driven you know a few hours from from a major city to get there it's it's so cool yeah it's it's amazing and you know there's so much more to the story we can come back and uh, pick it up on another on another cast down the road yeah absolutely well thank you very much for that so i think we're going to carry on we're going to carry on with the stories from from utah uh next week and yeah. then uh, I'm gonna. I think what I'll do is maybe you'll come back and I'll I'll uh, tell you some of the tales that I had when I went down to Australia because I saw some pretty cool stuff. Oh so yeah, I, I love Australia. Nice yeah, let's do that. Cool. Well, that brings us uh, towards the end of another show, and I just got to say uh, thank you very much, Jamie. It was a great story, and I'm looking forward to what uh, what we're going to get next week. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next week. Nice. Cool. Well, I'm going to thank everybody for listening, uh, and hopefully you'll catch us uh, next time on What Happens in Topeka. See you later, guys. Bye.